0: When I grew up, I always had this picture of the devil as some guy with horns and a pitchfork and you expect him to have a different voice. And what made it so hard was it was my voice. It was me that was saying that I wasn't worthy that I was a burden, that I was unwanted, that I was unworthy that. And that one <laughs> that's what made it hard.
1: Well, that is one teenager's description of how depression affected her spiritual life. And at her worst moment, she couldn't discern the devil's voice from her own voice. This is the second episode of Teen Suicide, Knowing the Signs. I'm John Fuller, along with Danny Huerta. He's a counselor and is vice president of parenting and youth here at Focus on the Family. And uh, Danny, depression affects so many areas of life. Um, particularly for teens, including their spiritual life.
2: It does. And let's make a note here that anxiety many times dances with depression. Uh, They're together. So it causes some paralysis of many things, including your uh, motivation to do academic work. Uh, You become afraid of things you were not used to being afraid of, uh, including social moments or moments of failure, uh, but there, there really is an effect on all areas of a child's life. Uh, the, there's an effect on uh, just the overall friendships and the choices of friendships, the involvement in sports or activities, the, the level of confidence goes down. And what's fascinating to me is there, there's that group, but there's also another group of, of kids that are depressed that turn towards aggressive behaviors mm. and become f- fearless of death. They almost want to dare death. They don't care if they die and so we want to watch for both if you see a child folding in and being paralyzed by anxiety and fear and they begin to disconnect in all areas their grades go way down they tank and uh, they're disconnecting from friendships they've had that's one group the other one is if you see a child all of a sudden taking risks that are really on edge of death Hmm. that are really scary you want to step into that as well because that's the other extreme where they're becoming very aggressive or going into themes that are very violent where they don't really care about the topic of death. And those are two extremes of the same spectrum.
1: Well, in this episode, we're going to be hearing more about some of the causes of depression and suicidal thoughts. And uh, we'll be discussing as well how to combat the spiritual component of depression. Uh, First, we're going to hear from Lacey Sturm who is the former lead vocalist of the band Flyleaf, and she describes the events that led her to a really dark place and eventually to, as a teenager, contemplate suicide. Here's Lacey talking with Focus on the Family president, Jim Daly.
3: You know, when you look at what's happening in schools today, that bullying factor, there's a lot of that going on. I mean, even in our own community here, we've had a number of... Of teen suicides, Mm. which uh, right at the school that my boys go to. Mm. And I'm having to have those discussions with my kids. And so often what they've observed is that these uh, young people are feeling that despair and they don't know where to go with it. That was you. You were feeling that sense of despair, Mm. weren't you?
0: Yeah. You know, um, I talk about in my book how I had a tragedy happen and my family, um, my, my mom's sister was a teen mom and she had, she her didn't work out with her boyfriend, and they ended up living with us when she was pregnant, and she had her son, and Your he, cousin, my cousin, and he lived with us, and um, then when he was around three, she met a man, they moved to Houston and got married, and shortly after that, that man beat my cousin to death, so he was abusive anyway. We knew he was abusive at times with my aunt, and we didn't know he would, Something like that, and of course, when that happened, my mom had always talked to me about God, and whenever that happened, she always said, He would God would take care of us, and I saw Him provide for us along the way. But when that happened, I remember thinking, I thought God was gonna take care of us. Why didn't He take care of my cousin? Why is he dead and I'm alive? And
3: and you were about nine at the time, I, nine or ten? I was ten, 10 years old,
0: and I, I kept thinking, Why is he dead? I'm alive, why did it happen to him and not me, and how can I honor His death? Like, I wanted, and so. I understand this now, and I even realized it as I wrote the book. I didn't realize it um, before that, that it was a conscious decision I actually made. I didn't realize that I made this choice, and God actually helped me as I was praying when I was writing the book go back to that moment when I chose to stay sad for him. Uh So I kind of did this as a loyalty to his death. I I decided I was going to stay sad for him, and I actually became distrustful of people who are happy. Um, How can you be happy in a world where children get beaten to death? Something's wrong with you. You know, you're yeah. either naive or something's wrong, you know. Yeah. And I. Um, you, you also
3: kind of turned uh, your back on God, right?
0: Yeah, it, I did it, not believe in God anymore. I felt like that was a broken chair people were telling you to sit in. It's not. I didn't feel like. And that made me angry when people would talk about God. And this
3: is all from the time you're like 10 to 15, 16, right? Yes. I mean, that's early to contemplate such weighty and, and heavy concepts. But well, you I, you were seeing injustice in the world. and feeling um... you
0: know and the thing is you're talking about that like I would never assume that that wasn't a normal thing normal reaction for a 10 year old but people say that all the time when I was there in the situation it was so logical to just ask yourself where's God yeah He's supposed to protect us and care for us. You talk about God all the time being good. Well, why not he, Him taking care of us? And then the same thing in a, I would say, social. Like, we're in a situation, six kids, and we're really poor. We share everything. Everybody's right. in the same. Like, for me, and maybe it's a mother, mothering thing for me, but I can't eat without thinking, did you eat? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. That's just, since I was little, Right. I never was able to, so, when my cousin died i I can't think well, he died. why am I not and and I always thought about death, and I always wondered about how long we live and how,
3: how did resolution for that come about because you're young again, thinking of these concepts of why your cousin died at the hands of his you know your your aunt's boyfriend mm-hmm. and Our your husband. and husband, and you're already thinking that through mm-hmm. as a ten year old you're rejecting God Mm -hmm. because you don't see justice in the world. And if God is real and alive, there should be some justice in this world. Mm -hmm. How did you come to um, kind of accept that bad things happen in this life?
0: I think that's what drew me to people who actually talked about it and people who actually dealt with it, whether good or bad. I wanted answers. I wanted to know truth about those things. Um, I didn't have good resources, you know, like, When people were suspicious of, you know, the jovial kind of life and, you know, I've related to that and I'm like, yeah, like why, you know.
3: So you'd say what's wrong with those people that are so happy? They're living a lie. Yes. In essence. Yes. And you identified with sadness. And in fact, you mentioned in your book, the reason um, Kurt Cobain's death, and that was one that caught my attention, Uh, Mm -hmm. but the fact that it showed despair. You know, what was going on in his life? Here's a guy, arguably, that was Mm -hmm. at the top of his game in music and had a lot of notoriety, and it was empty, Mm -hmm. obviously. And that really resonated with you and where you were at. How old were you when Kurt Cobain committed suicide?
0: I was 12.
3: And it made an impact on you, right?
0: I went from our perspective as fans. I believe it was heroic, and now I understand how strange that sounds um, that it could be heroic from an outside of that situation perspective. And I know that a lot of cults, like even the, there, there are cultures who consider suicide heroic. And I find because of my experience, I am, I so despise the suicidal spirit, those suicidal temptations. I despise them. I feel like they're so deceptive and they make themselves, it sounds so reasonable in the moment. It sounds like there's no other way. It sounds like it's honorable. It sounds like it's brave. And I remember there was an Instagram thing. We went around and my friend Jordan wrote on her arm, it's brave to live. It's brave to live. And that's the thing is that a lot of people don't um, recognize that in those moments, if you make a choice to continue to live after you've decided that you don't want to live, you can do whatever you want with your life. Yeah. You can hand it over. You can go on any kind of adventure. You can risk everything. You know, to, to look at that moment of not wanting to live and take it as a place of saying, well, let's do something different. Let's go a different direction. And and say, you know, for me, the day I planned to commit suicide, having an I know we're getting ahead, but having an encounter with God, I remember thinking when I let that guy pray for me, Oh, like, well, I'm just gonna go die.
3: Well, let's let's talk about it because yeah. we're right at that point. This uh, despair, this path of despair right. that you were kind of meandering down because you did you despised happy people and joyful people. I'm sure there weren't many committed Christians that were giving you the answers that you needed at that moment as a 12, 13 year old. Um, but what was that allure to move into greater despair and even contemplate taking your own life and doing what you thought would be a brave act, like? Cobain and say, okay, I'm not enjoying this life. I'm going to end it. Talk about what got you to that point.
0: Well, with Nirvana, the message was they came out in a materialistic time in the 80s where everybody has the in and they're so flamboyant and, you know, and all this kind of like expensive, whatever. And they came out looking like homeless people.
3: Right. Torn shirts. (laughs) Right.
0: And they actually identified with a homeless community. Like, he was celebrated for having been homeless and living under a bridge. He had a a song called Under the Bridge. And so to be celebrated as a poor person who wears those kind of clothes because that's from the thrift store and who gets made fun of because you have nothing, all of a sudden now you have an identity and you're like, yeah, um, we have a voice here. Mm -hmm. And when he got into being famous, you could see in his interviews the struggle he had with being famous and being notarized, like everybody knowing him, but him wanting to be an, an everybody person. And they kept exalting him, and you could see the struggle in a sense in his interviews. Mm-hmm. And so when when we as fans, what we perceived, well, what I perceived, was that he was saying, I don't want this. I'm better than you. Right. I'm above you, um, but I don't know how to like let go of it. It's like I'm stuck and sort of trapped in this.
3: It, but that was attractive to you. You were identifying with that because that was you. You were living yeah. in clothes you got from the thrift store. You were poor. Your dad wasn't in the picture. Yeah. Now, how was that? When you showed up at Grandma's house, was she all lovey? And it was
0: relieving. It was. It, 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 was. it was so yeah. relieving to get out of the environment uh, being stressful and starting over is such a great feeling.
3: But you did have some conflict, right? Right. Well,
0: I'm still struggling with all the things I struggle with, but there's a relief in starting over, you know? And so then, you know, I still am drawn to those people. I'm hanging out and I'm trying to find ways, you know, we end up doing drugs, like being involved in drugs and uh, just this not doing, following the rules at home the way I'm supposed to. And I don't think it was necessarily vindictive. It was just I had a hard time understanding sometimes. Just transitioning is hard anyway.
3: And, and your identity was growing within that community, right?
0: Yeah. Well, but, I, I magnified any little thing in my mind that was rejection. Right. Anything that was a discipline, I magnified it in my mind and said, just always thinking, they don't love me, and mm. and um, I'm a burden to them. That was the biggest That's what you feeling. felt
3: at that age. They don't love me, and I'm a burden Mm-hmm. yeah There's that just... can be devastating to a child
0: yeah you, you, you look at, you at you them and you say well I feel like they wanted to do the right thing because they have to do the right thing I didn't feel like I was a blessing to them like I was a burden
3: even... do, you, do you ever think about your behavior being a test of their love to say will you love me even if I act <laughs> this way have you <laughs> ever thought subconsciously of that yeah
0: there was that
3: Will you still love me? In fact, you and your grandma had a bit of a shouting match, if I read that correctly yes. in your book. There was one day where the two of you verbally just went after each mm-hmm. other and you were yelling mm-hmm. and she started to yell back at you mm-hmm. and she didn't stop for an hour.
0: Yeah. What
3: is it I mean, literally just screaming.
0: Yeah. Well, her husband, my grandfather was in the hospital, had had a heart attack earlier that week. And she was trying to tell me you're not obeying our rules. You're getting in trouble at school. You're doing things that are illegal. All of this is stressful. Your, your grandfather's in the hospital. He had a heart attack earlier this week. And you're not helping anything. Well, what she's trying to say is your actions affect more than just you. There's more people impacted by your problems than just you. And that's actually good advice for somebody who's depressed to get them to take their mind off themselves and focus on how they can help other people around them. But I was looking for a reason to end my life. And so I twisted her words from what she meant we love you, you're impacting us because we love you, to saying, our life would be better without you, which is not That's what, what was, you were feeling, she was saying. This is what I twisted, the enemy twisted that in my mind, yeah. which was not true at all, because there is no way it would have been less stressful if I had committed suicide on my family. Oh. It would have been more stressful. And But I found it to say, life would be better without you, I'm gonna take my life, I found a selfless reason.
1: We can hear the kind of the mental contortions and and the different voices in uh, the head of Lacey Sturm. And, and the death of her baby cousin was such a tragic event. Ten-year-olds uh, are not equipped to deal with that kind of thing, Danny. Um, mm. It's common, though, for an event like that or significant uh, to happen and trigger depression in a teenager, isn't it?
2: It is. is. It's a common thing because we're human beings. We respond emotionally to what's around us. We're full of emotions, and that's the beauty of being a human and the difficulty of being human. And for children, they interact with their world through emotions. They don't have the capacity to interpret the way we do as adults and to draw on experience and other, other moments of victory in our lives to really know how to navigate something that feels permanent at the moment. And death is so hard to understand for a mm-hmm. 10-year-old that there is a situational response that has kind of a spectrum, right? There's all the way from a friend's death that wasn't supposed to happen to a, a moment of rejection or a moment of failure, disappointment, I didn't make the team. Yeah. So now what do I do? I must be a failure. And there's this mindset that I must be the most awful soccer player in the world. I'll never play soccer. Uh, yet you as a parent can come in and bring truth. Hey, wait, That's that. Let, let's interpret that a little differently, but not with the emotions driving the car.
1: Yeah, how does that work, though? I mean, if, if I'm a, a teenager and I'm feeling... Um, does Does your truth your logic really penetrate my my sense of well being
2: first, you affirm it hey, it makes perfect sense that mm. you 're feeling that uh, that that's that 's what you would think a person would feel towards what has just happened, and let me help you understand it from my perspective where i 'm not feeling the intensity of your feelings, and I want to help you be able to navigate and manage that big huge emotion Mm. that you're feeling because i'm sure it's overwhelming for you so you're showing the empathy and compassion and that really softens a child especially a 10 year old you may have a little bit more hardness with a 16 or 17 year old be patient with that empathy and compassion still works with a teenager that sees that you're in there for the long haul you're not just coming in because you think you have to as a parent they, they, they want to know that you truly care and you truly understand what this emotion is all about.
1: Well, I appreciate that, Danny. And uh, let's go ahead and hear more now from Lacey Sturm as she talks to Jim Daly about uh, her despair and spiritual truth that kind of cut
3: through all that. So you go in. What are you feeling when you walk into this church feeling despair, feeling rejected, not feeling loved, and your grandmother is forcing you to go to church? What are you thinking when you walk in the door?
0: I hate everybody. You hate everybody. (laughs) I hated everybody. I hated everybody, especially the pastor. And he was, and I also had this, you know, felt like I was an intellectual and was in Mississippi and everybody to me is like, you know. They're not educated, which is not true. Just They just talk, you know, for real life. <laughs> well, I you, really respect You're feeling them. like you,
3: you know more than everybody else around yes, you. But exactly. what happened in that church service that got your attention?
0: Well, when he spoke, he began to um, talk about scenarios that he had been through that were just like I was the only person in the room. And like he was telling my story. What did he say? Well, he talked about different families and the struggles they went through. He talked about the kids' feeling isolated and having to take on more responsibility than they need and he talked about how the violence that happens in those situations and how they become you know they feel alone and misunderstood he
3: talked about suicide someone he
0: stopped in the middle of all that and just start crying and that was really impactful to me because I never saw to see someone be sad I mean to To weep over someone they don't know, and to weep over someone who despairing of life, even just to seeing him weep, resonated with me. Like, do you cry? Like, mm. do you have pain in your life? Like, I will listen to you if I know that you can understand that that's how I feel. You wow. know. And so, for him to weep stopped me and made me listen.
3: And he doesn't know you're there, really, and what no, your he issues know are. Me He's just at speaking all. to the full audience. Yeah. And, and he's saying, I feel a heavy he, heart He didn't for say
0: anything. He just weeping. He stopped talking, just weeping. And everybody's listening. And some, you can feel some people are embarrassed and it's uncomfortable. And he says, finally, he's wiping his tears. He says, there's a suicidal spirit in this room. And it was just total silence. And everybody realized, you know, you're crying because you feel like a sense that there's somebody here who wants to take their life. And I was like, ah! you know, like. And that was you. Yes. It was me. And he's just wiping his tears, and he says, Please come up here and let us pray for you, whoever you are. God has a plan for your life. He doesn't want you to die tonight. And he's, like, wiping his tears. And the man, you know, I didn't go up there. I wouldn't. My pride wouldn't let me go. And can you imagine being him? I think about this now. He's passed away now. (laughs) How brave it is. To say that and have no one respond,
3: right? You think you failed?
0: You think you just maybe you made something up in your head? Maybe who know whatever. Right. He didn't care. He was.
3: But somebody <laughs> caught you on the way out, right? Yeah, I went. to What leave. happened?
0: There's a man I still talk to him. His name, call him Poppy. Poppy. Yeah.
3: His... So he caught you at the end of the service, he... and what did I he say? I didn't know to him,
0: you? and he said, "I feel like the Lord wants me to speak to you," and he had tears in his eyes too. I think he knew. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. God knew. <laughs> doesn't matter if he knew, I guess. But he said, I feel like the Lord wants me to speak to you, and he wants you to know that even though you've never known an earthly father, that God will be a better father to you than any earthly father could ever be. And when he said that, I thought, I don't need a dad. I don't need a man in my life. Uh. I had hated men. I I mistrusted men, especially older men that were strangers. And he's looking at me. The first thing is that he looked at me with such love. Like I never saw pure, no... Just love, love. In, in, in a strange man's eyes directed at me like he knew me. And it and I was like thinking, I don't need a dad and he and then he spoke and he said, God has seen you when you cry yourself to sleep at night and he, he said, You've been rehearsing your pain. There's been pain in your heart from your own sins and the sins of other people committed against you and your family. But I want you to know Jesus died on a cross to take the sins of the world on himself. So he took the effect of the sin. He took our pain so we don't have to carry it in us. And he said, can I please pray for you and ask Jesus to take the pain out of your heart? And I was just like, at that moment where I'm like, I'm either going to go die or I'm going to wait a minute and let this guy pray for me. And how can he know all these things? And I finally was like, this flicker of receptiveness came. And a I was little like, spark. I was like, okay, you can pray.
3: You mentioned in your book the reason, um, having courage to live. And I'll point the point out, and I want you to elaborate on it. But one, you said it's brave to keep living when life is sad or difficult. Now, you know, working with people who are sad and in despair, that's a hard thing to convince them of. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: Um, What are you getting at when you say, hey, it's important to live even if you're feeling sad?
0: Well, what I understood when I I encountered God was that he is very real. He is very, he's holy. And his love is so overwhelming, so overpowering, so all-consuming that the questions and the weight and everything, it's like turning the light on so bright that all the shadows disappear. And I don't sit and I say... Well, bad things happen because of this. No, I say my cousin was murdered, beaten to death by a stepfather, and then I encountered God. And I have no reasons for the other, but I know that there's a good God who's holy. And I can't tell you any answers that are tangible, but I can say when you encounter God that you will have that light that's so bright, that's so beyond me, like it's so beyond me. His love is so beyond my understanding, and it's so tangible.
3: Uh, Lacey, I was going to say the question might pop into people's mind who are struggling, who have that bitterness because something uh, bad happened in their life. It may not have been the death of a cousin, but maybe the death of a child Mm -hmm. or the death of a spouse. How do you make that change? Mm -hmm. How does that change happen Mm -hmm. where you can go from, you, in your case, it moved you toward not believing in God, seeing your cousin die at the hands of his stepfather. Right. How does a person let go? How do they say, okay, Lord, I'm going to accept the fact that bad things happen and that it's not your fault?
0: Well, we we make this outside of knowing God and like not just knowing about God, but knowing him. Outside of that, we make this life. About this life and Mm. this isn't all there is this is a shadow of what's to come we're eternal beings and are and to recognize if you were in heaven looking at the earth seeing these things happen and god were to say to you can i send you will you help what will you do can you go be a light you know from that perspective up there, where you in eternity, can you will you go step into time? Yeah. It's like this question of like we get a chance right now. life is a gift to you, and no matter what happens, whether somebody lives or dies, you're breathing, and you have a purpose. God doesn't give you the miracle of life on accident, yeah, and Boy. that's what I had to understand when I woke up the next day. I wasn't supposed to wake up today. Yeah. Why do you care? Why do you love me? and here I am. And why did you give me more time? Because I don't have any plans.
1: What a tender conversation uh, Lacey Sturm had with Jim Daly, and what an important message from her. Um, We're joined now in the studio by our colleague, Dr. Joni Debrito, and Joni is a licensed mental health professional who specializes in crisis and trauma counseling. And, uh, Joni, thanks for joining us to discuss this story. Let me ask you about the events that kind of led... Lacey to contemplate suicide. Uh, there are factors that probably caused her depression to escalate toward suicidal thoughts.
4: Yeah, well, it sounds like Lacey had a difficult life to begin with. It sounds like her mom was um, having difficulty with her. There was a lot of conflict. She was moved to her grandmother. Her father was not in her life, and most kids get their sense of identity from mother and father, but very much from uh, father as well. So she was already in a difficult place, and then she lost her cousin to a tragic death, actually at the hand of his stepfather. And so if you take a young girl in the midst of a very difficult life and throw in a tragic event like that and expect her to be able to process that well the way a child would with supportive, loving parents, uh, that's a little bit too much to expect. And it sounds to me like it was just overwhelming for her. And then also that lack of identity. Uh, That she probably didn't have because of not having parents to help her with that, then she started identifying with Kurt. Cobain, uh, who obviously committed suicide. And that's a a very common thing Mm. that kids will find an identity when they don't have their own identity, they'll find it in another person. And if that person is similar, they're experiencing similar things and their decision was to die by suicide, then they start to think maybe that's what I need to do as well. So I think there were many factors that played into her getting to the point of thinking about hurting herself.
1: Yeah, a lot of complexity in her life. Sure, sure. So if kids are fighting depression, uh, it does seem that there is a spiritual battle going on there. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you both, Danny and Joni, as a parent, how do you help a teen discern the voice of the enemy versus truth?
2: This is a real difficult thing for for a parent to step into. Mm -hmm because they're very real thoughts in a teen's mind or a child's mind. And you want to point out lies as they come in. Hey, this is a lie, and you can base it off of Ephesians 2.10, that we are God's masterpiece. And then it says, created for great things in Christ Jesus that were prepared ahead of time uniquely for each of us to step into. And so we're created on purpose and with a purpose for something, and reminding our kids of that, that there's Life is all about growth until we die. There's grace. There's forgiveness along the way available to all of us. And whenever our thoughts go towards death and that we're failing, that is, that is a lie. There's nothing that says that that is true about who we are. And so what I ask my kids, and I've asked other kids coming into the, my counseling office, is who gets a vote in saying who you are? And why did they get the vote? and how come they got more vote than the other people? I've heard all these other people say something different, and you've chosen to believe this one vote. Why is this one so powerful? And it gives them insight to the fact that our brain gets fixated on negativity, on the negative things, the things we do wrong. It gets fixated on that missing tile. It gets fixated on flaws. And and that's a a problem of sin that uh, we we have in our in our brain Mm -hmm. uh, where we miss out on the beauty of what god has created including ourselves and that's as a parent you can enter a child's life in a very affirming way by patiently and calmingly reminding them of who they are if one of the things the common themes with within a parent-child relationship is shame sneaks in and a child bases all of their interpretation of life off of that shame lens that mm-hmm. i'm a bad person so you have to deal with that belief for sure you're you're not a bad person do you make mistakes do you make poor choices do you make dumb choices absolutely we all do but that doesn't make you a bad or or awful person or stupid person it makes you a person that is very human and that's a truth that your child has to hear over and over again so that they can deal with the changes and the realities of life. Mm.
4: And I also think that it's helpful if parents can help their kids understand the mind of Christ and the heart of God, and to understand that often those voices that kids hear in their heads that are telling them to do something destructive, that's not consistent with the will of God. God is not going to say, kill yourself. God is not going to say, hurt yourself. God is going to help you find a way through the issues that you're struggling with or the, the despair that you are in. God is also not a vengeful, angry voice, so often I would hear kids talk about, you know, God yelled at me and told me I was fill-in-the-blank and all of these awful words. That's not the way God... Conducts himself. That's not God's love. That does not show God's love for human beings. And to help kids understand that voice that's yelling at you, that voice that's telling you you're nothing, that voice that is telling you things that we know to not be true, those things are not consistent with the will of God and the heart of God. And John,
2: I remember talking to my son one time. I said, Hey, there's There's an all-out war for people's souls. There's a spiritual war, and I want you to be aware of it. And the real estate it wants is your mind. Hmm. And that's the real estate where God is saying, I want your mind. It says it all throughout Scripture, and so does Satan. He wants to—there's this battle for the mind, and you can see it in society. You can see it through music, video games, technology— and and so the awareness of the war is what your child needs to know. There's a lot at stake here, and that real estate it's up is up to you. I want you to take ownership of that, and I'm going to help you because I'm one of the only people in this world that would die for you, and I'm not going to let your mind be
1: taken over. Hmm. Well, I appreciate that insight, Danny, and the, and the heart you just expressed there. And as we wrap up, uh, Joni, let me take it back to Lacey's story. God intervened and saved her from suicide uh, that night she visited the church. Uh, that's not going to be every child's story. Right. So what are some of the more ordinary means God may use to, to help a child uh, divert from that path?
4: I think that God uses people in a teen's life to speak into their lives often. Many times I'll be talking with someone who's struggling with depression or suicide and they begin to get better and they say, you know, my aunt came to me and talked with me and shared with me scripture or prayed with me. So God can use people to speak into their lives. I also think that it's very clear in the Bible that God gives people certain gifts. People uh, may have gifts of mercy and for sure teens who are struggling with depression need those gifts of mercy and grace, but also gifts of counseling, gifts of medical skills and so forth. So there are professionals that are there to help uh, kids who are struggling, and those may be people who God gave very specific gifts to, to be helpful. So I say, take every resource that you can get Mm -hmm. and recognize that in many cases it's coming directly from God.
1: Hmm. Well, Danny and Joni, thank you so much for once again sharing your insights and your helpful advice and your hearts for parents and kids.
4: Thank you, John. Thanks so much, John.
1: And uh, we recommend that you check out Lacey Sturm's book, which describes more of her really incredible life and her powerful conversion story. It's called The Reason, and we'd be happy to send a copy as a thank you gift when you join the support team here at focus on the family make a donation of any amount and we'll send the book our number is 800 a family uh, online you can do so at focusonthefamily.com/teen suicide podcast or check the episode notes for more and for a comprehensive guide on preventing teen suicide check out alive to thrive which is our free online curriculum designed for individuals or groups and if you're interested in starting a conversation group about this You can download the Leader's Guide. It's free and it's on our website. Or you can download the Participant's Guide and go through the training on your own. To find out more about Alive to Thrive, go to FocusOnTheFamily.com slash podcast, or check the episode page. And then this is the first in a series of podcasts addressing mental health in youth. And In coming days, we'll have a future podcast on topics like anxiety and self-harm and social media use. Please be sure to subscribe to receive future episodes. And for now, I'm John Fuller, and thanks for listening to Teen Suicide, Knowing the Signs.